At the beginning of our uh, service, we had some notices, and I, I bigged up next week's speaker. Um, and uh, then, lo and behold, I look up, and he's here. I'm, and then I'm worried that I've got the wrong week. And, um, but welcome, Ron. It's lovely to have you with us. God bless you. I'm going to, uh, as I started the service, I read from Revelation, but I want to turn back into John's Gospel and chapter 13. And it's that passage where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. So if you uh, want to follow it, it'll be on the screen or in your Bibles or however you have your Bible with you. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for your words. And we thank you that we can read your words every day. Thank you for the privilege that we have. And we want to be closer followers of you. We want to be, as Alan prayed earlier, more like you. We want to be more effective witnesses, so teach us through your word how we might do that. And by your spirit, just come and minister as we just look at this uh, passage of your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you're a James Bond fan. One? But if you haven't heard already... There is a new Bond film out. Thank you. 
And it's the 25th in the series of Bond films. It's called No Time to Die. And it's the last one uh, starring Daniel Craig. Now, over the years, I have watched all of the Bond films. Some of them I like better than others. I won't tell you the ones I don't like so much. But one of the things I really like about James Bond films, and particularly the James Bond character, is that he's quintessentially British. You know, in the age of Hollywood films, and whether Bollywood films if you're from India, but he is British. And none more so than in the film Russia with Love, which was one of my favorite moments, when he knows another agent he's encountered can't possibly be British because he orders red wine with his fish. And Bond, you will know if you know any of the films, is aided in his missions by equipment from Q, his quartermaster, and from Q Branch. They provide all the equipment, all the gadgets for the missions. And the one thing you'll notice in the latest series of films with Daniel Craig, they got scaled down a bit, the, the gadgets. And in Skyfall, another film, I think my favorite one, he's given just a gun and a little radio. And uh, he says these words to Q, it's not exactly Christmas, is it? And Q responds by saying, what were you expecting, an exploding pen? We, we don't go for that sort of thing anymore. No spoilers, but the latest film, there's quite a lot of gadgets, so they've saved them all up. I know you're wondering, what on earth has this got to do with John 13? Well, when we get to this part in John's Gospel, he begins to move and the story develops that Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry. I mean, John spends 40% of his Gospel within the last few days of Jesus' life. But in chapters 13 to 17, we get Jesus preparing his disciples for the mission that is to come. It's as if he's preparing them to hand it over to them and to equip them with the essentials for the mission ahead. We're just going to focus on the first one. You'll know that John's Gospel isn't like any of the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the Synoptic Gospels. John was probably written much later. He's probably assuming that you have heard, or not maybe read, but you have heard the stories of the other Gospels. It's written more reflectively, more theologically, hence the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's no nativity scene or anything like that. And he misses out some of the things that we find in the other Gospels. But we have that unique start. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when it comes to the final days and the final week of Jesus' life, he doesn't repeat the events of the Passion Week recorded by the other Gospel writers. So there's no cursing of the fig tree, there's no cleansing of the temple, there's no lengthy clashes with the Jewish authorities, no detailed description of the end times that you find in Matthew. And actually, no details of the Last Supper. Which, when I first became a Christian, I thought that was you know, really interesting that John didn't have that. But instead, he gives us five straight chapters of so far unrecorded teaching from Jesus from that night. Including the wonderful things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the vine, you are the branches. 
When the advocate comes, the Holy Spirit, he'll teach you all things. And then there's wonderful prayer in uh, chapter 17, the real Lord's Prayer. And he's preparing the disciples. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So he teaches them about the essential things that they'll need for their mission. Equipment that could overturn the overwhelming odds. Because when you think about it, the mission he gives the early disciples is astonishing. Just go into the whole world and make disciples. Okay? (laughs) Those chapters include the teaching on the work of the Holy Spirit, which obviously is essential. He talks about obedience, he talks about prayer, he talks about unity, he talks about courage under fire. But the first thing that he mentions, which is in chapter 13, is humility and character. Now when I was at Bible college and we did all the sort of seminars on church growth and evangelism, I never heard any of the lecturers or the church planters or evangelists saying, the most important thing is humility. And character. General Norman Schwarzkopf, this is a lovely name and harder to spell than you think. He was a a commander of uh, the military coalition in the Gulf War, said this about leadership. Leadership is a potent combination of strategy and character. But if you're going to be without one, be without strategy. This is a lesson John has learned. When Jesus first encountered John, as we've been going through in our morning service, he was mending his nets. But think of the character that John was when first he met Jesus. He was quite a fiery character. In fact, Jesus gave him and his brother James nicknames. Does anyone remember the nicknames they had? Sons of Thunder. Isn't that amazing? What a nickname to have, Sons of Thunder. In Luke 9, maybe this is where it came from, when the disciples, James and John, saw that the Samaritans were in opposition, they said, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? And Jesus turned and rebuked them. Sons of Thunder. On another occasion, James and John again say this, Teacher, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Which, you know, seems fair enough, okay. What do you want me to do for you, says Jesus? Let one of us sit on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they say, we can. And Jesus says, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right and my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And it says, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. John is a changed man because of Jesus. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, 
you will hear people say of John and Peter, they were schooled ordinary men, but they knew that they'd been with Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing that someone might say of you or me? That when they encounter us, they might know that we have been in the presence of Jesus. As John recounts the things Jesus said and did, we see how he has changed. So it was just before the Passover festival. He had grown used to Jesus saying, his hour had not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And here we have, Jesus knows his hour has come. For him to leave this world and go to the Father. This was the night Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It says in verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And I love that phrase in, in verse 3, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. The meal was in progress and Jesus got up and wrapped a towel around his waist and began to wash their feet. None of the disciples had thought to do this. It would have happened. It would have been commonplace. You'd arrived at the destination and there would have been a slave maybe. Probably the lowest slave of all would have washed people's feet because they would have become all grimy and dirty from the dusty roads. It's obvious that nothing like that happened. There wasn't a slave there, a servant there to do that. And none of the disciples had thought, one of us ought to do that. Jesus gets up, wraps a towel around his waist, and begins to wash their feet. I don't know if you've ever washed someone's feet. It's kind of a very basic thing. Feet aren't normally pretty. I don't think they're the ugliest things, but they're just basic feet. And if you've washed between someone else's toes, it's quite an intimate thing. And Jesus reveals his humility and love and tenderness. Love that he will show supremely at the cross. He loved them to the end, to the uttermost. And it reveals the humility and love of Jesus. But even at that moment, you notice that evil creeps in right at that moment. The devil creeps in right at that moment. It says, into the heart of Judas. The devil had put that desire, that decision to betray Jesus. I'm assuming Jesus had washed Judas' feet as well. And Judas, having closed his heart to the light, finds himself a servant of the darkness. Even at that moment, when love is going to the limit, there is betrayal in the midst. In that upper room, whether, or if it happened already, John's struggle for status and position ends. As he watched Jesus strap a towel around his waist and wash the disciples' feet. Peter objects. 
And Peter is only saying what everyone else was thinking, as he often does. He, he says what everyone else is thinking, but just voices it. No, not me. You are not going to wash my feet. I, I can understand that. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And whether it's this or other occasions when John sees the gulf between himself and Jesus, as, as we do, as you do, as I do, between my character and the character of Jesus. And I know that I'm a sinner who needs washing And John, on that night, he would lead on Jesus' chest at the meal table, was beginning to grasp the glory of Jesus, which will culminate in that verse that I read right at the beginning from Revelation 1, verse 17. I saw him and I fell at his feet as though dead, the Lord of glory. And here he is, washing his feet. If we want to be like Jesus... We have to humble ourselves. Not always an easy lesson to learn. I remember learning it as a young guy when I'd first got converted and was so brash and quite arrogant and I was brought down a few pegs. I won't tell you all the details. But I felt it was so unjust. It was so unjust. And someone just said, you have to just swallow it. You're not even allowed to say anything. You hear what people say, you're not allowed to say anything. But I can't. And it was really good for me. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. John grasped the truth of who Jesus was. But he also grasped the truth, not only is he a sinner who needs washing, he grasped the truth that Jesus counted him worthy of cleansing. That Jesus loves you so much that he would come and die for you. That's how much he thinks of you. That you would not be separated from him by your sin, but he will take it himself as he dies on the cross. But his call to his disciples here and to us is, this is what I'm like, will you be like me? We will never know how effective just a humble servant is. I was reading, I do Nicky Gumbel's, you know, readings every day through the year and Uh, Yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before, he was quoting some chap who had been such an inspiration to so many church leaders at one point, and uh, John Stott included, and John Stott, without this man, I wouldn't have been where I am today, and and John Stott had a huge influence, and Nicky didn't even mention his name, and I was going through the reading again and thinking, he must have mentioned this man's name, he didn't even mention his name. That's how humble this guy is. No one knows who he is. Yet he had such a profound impression on people. I think that's that challenge to me, a challenge to all of us. Yet again, is when people encounter us, do they know that 
we've been with Jesus? Do they know? I was speaking to Joan uh, the week that I went in to see her in hospital when she was still really with it and, you know, um, and she said that someone in the ward, they were just chatting away and someone had said, there's something about you. There's just something about you. And she said, I hadn't really said much, I hadn't really done much. It's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Something about Joan just shone to the other people in the ward. Jesus says, no, you don't, you know, when Peter says, no, all right, all right, I don't want just the, the feet, I want the whole works. I want the hands and the head and everything. Shower, the whole, you know, power shower. And Jesus says, you don't need that. You've had a bath. You are clean. But you need to stay clean and stay with me and be washed day by day from the grime and the stuff of everyday life that just needs to be washed away. And that comes out of relationship with God. Comes out of a relationship with Jesus that when we do you know, fall short, we just say, Lord, I'm really sorry. I want to continue to walk with you. Stay in relationship with Jesus. And his blood goes on cleansing and cleansing and cleansing of all our sin. That night, John saw that he must too be more like Jesus. Once the son of thunder, he would serve Jesus for the rest of his life. We don't know much. I mean, there's traditional things said about what uh, John went on to do. But we know in Acts that he serves. But Peter's more up front in the early chapters of Acts. Remember the Samaritans that he was going to call thunder down and, you know... In chapter 8 of Acts, he, he ends up praying for them, that they received the Holy Spirit. I think that's really wonderful. I wonder if any of them were there when he's, that's the guy who was going to call thunder and lightning down on us. He's now praying for us. And then his brother is killed in Acts chapter 12, executed. And then he fades into the background in Acts. You don't hear of John anymore. And others take more prominent roles. But John would continue to serve. Leading local church. Looking after Mary, it had been asked. Focusing on his writing, we have his letters, we have his gospel, we have the, the amazing book of Revelation. That vision of Jesus that he had. So as tonight, as we're going to share communion we we'll just focus on this first thing that Jesus teaches his disciples. If you're going to be my follower, if you're going to change the world through me, be humble like me. It might not be visible to all, but it will be visible to some. And it will make the difference. As Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, on the same theme, theme, imitating Christ's humility. Therefore, if you have any encouragement with being, from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Can we open the front doors please? Just those two doors. That's the first time that's... We had an experiment. We've got this monitor here, um, just with CO2. And uh, we thought we'd try it tonight with the doors closed. So this is... You're all safe, by the way, just to let you know that. It's just at that point, we just need to let some air in. So we're just going to let some air in. It might just be the preacher, actually, because it's right next to me. Because it's only gone off since I started speaking. Okay. Sorry about that. I thought uh, it's not all hot air. No, thank you. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. It's gone off. Let's pray together. Could Bridget and the band come back?